I think qualified immunity needs to end. Yeah. Like just, just, just period. There, there should not be a system in place where it's like, yeah, um, you know how you have constitutional rights? Well, we're allowed to violate them yeah. and there's not going to be anything that happens to us because of it. Yeah. That does not make sense. Why do we have constitutional rights if they can just violate them whenever they choose to? Oh, well, it's don't. not whenever they choose to. It's as long as they've done it creatively enough to be original. <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically whenever they choose to because, you know, how hard is it to falsify a police Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of Trash Talks. Joining me this week, my guest, Desmond Price. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And uh, he is the host of the Independent Thought Podcast. Um, <laughs> believe me, with the lack of the Politicast, I mean, you need somewhere to go. And this guy is knocking it out of the park compared to me. So uh, maybe go check it out. I mean, it, it's not it's not all politics per se, but it's uh, well, it's independent thought is what it is. Hey, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the shout out. I mean, just to give your audience a brief idea, you know, my podcast for the most part, I mean, it's it's mostly a politically based conversation, but we spend a lot of different times, you know, talking about things that aren't exactly politics. I have a lot of other podcasters come on and kind of share their stories and talk about life and their inspirations and, you know, importance of mental health and relationships and so on and so forth. So try to definitely have multiple conversations in a lot of my episodes i'd say about half of them we do like half straight politics and the other half is just everyday conversations so i like to give the the audience a little bit of variety that way so maybe if you didn't like the first half you like the second and vice versa i like the whole thing the whole way through man i never leave your podcast and i've only been a fan for what how long we've we been talking like three months now i think we got in touch like right away when uh before I even listened to it. Yeah, I think he reached out to me initially. Uh, you know, just the, the usual podcast networking. And, um, oh, shoot, that's rookie mistake. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, by the way, we uh, this podcast is full of rookie mistakes. It's kind of our, um, what's that? Like, uh, maybe a charm, but not really. It's just embarrassing after a while. <laughs> hey, I think the more casual, the vibe, the better. I mean, and it really comes through when, you know, when you're, talking with people, you know, and they're asking them like, Hey, what'd you think of the podcast? I talk to people all the time about my podcast and I'm like, what did you like, which didn't like. And a lot of people just said that they'd like the, the authentic feel, you know, yes. where they just feel like the conversations are natural and it's not being forced. It's not overly scripted, so on and so forth. And I was glad to hear that because I don't want to script anything. I personally like, you know, the more free flowing conversations that just accrue naturally, more or less. You exactly. Know? And, you know, I before before I was doing this, I just listened to uh, Alan Alda giving tips on uh, expressing thoughts. And he basically said everything I'm doing here is the wrong thing because I'm not supposed to have notes for things like this. You're supposed to be authentically reaching. But I had to write things down because when I listen to your show, I have a question every five minutes and I just got you in the room. <laughs> so... Like really, it's yeah. yeah, it's uh, it's impressive. Like really, um, what you do. I, I'll be honest. It's uh, you do get a lot of things I haven't heard before. Like it seems like I don't know what it is. People have the same like a guest will make. Like I said, like uh, we were talking earlier about getting guests on the show. 
Yeah. One of the guys I had on is now on one of my favorite uh, podcasts. But what is that making outside of an echo chamber? I think it's a good message, but I already know it. And I'm excited to see him. But I need to find right. other ideas. And you seem to assemble people that have very different ideas. And I really enjoy that. You know, honestly, when it comes to like my guests, particularly, I just, you know, I, I kind of had like a weird process at first because I have like, you know, just uh, I don't know if there's too much information or not, but <laughs> never kind of have. <laughs> I have, uh, unfortunately, some like bad anxiety. Mm -hmm. And so when I was first doing this podcast, you know, it was all over the place. Like my first like season, you know, we all like kind of like podcasts, we call seasons or whatever. My, so yeah. my season one, my, the episodes were all over the place. I had no structure whatsoever. I didn't know what I was doing. And then my second season, I tried to add a little bit more structure and it helped a little bit. But this current one that I'm on right now, which I started back in like the last week of, of December, I started this new format where basically I would have my guests like have like a 10 to 15 meet, like minute meeting with me before the episode. And we'd basically just go over what the episode was going to be so that when we actually sat down to record it, it would just kind of like just flow naturally. And so that way we can kind of like figure out what topics we wanted to discuss. And I felt like for me personally, uh, it was just better for me because it allowed me to like, um, just be, be a little bit more prepared. Mm -hmm. And so that just really kind of like helped me kind of like structure the conversation in a good way, but it still felt authentic, you know, because mm -hmm. I mostly, it wasn't like a script, but I do have like pretty much what you're talking about, just having like bullet points. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, okay, we're talking about this and then this and then this and then this, and then everything in between is just kind of like just flow. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, as you're saying, I'm like, wow, I already do that for the Politicast. Why wouldn't I think to do that for this show? Like, <laughs> like I had structured that and we would, we'd, every time we'd meet up, I'd be like, so it's been two weeks. Uh, what did you hear about? What did I hear about? And very conveniently, my co-host seemed to find like fill in every gap that I didn't on like what happened. Like he was really good on international yeah. news, but um, it uh, yeah, it's um, it worked. But I don't do it for this. I I usually just uh, I I kind of make a structure myself, and that might, it right. might help with that thing I was saying about not relying on your notes. If you have the conversation before, that's essentially the notes, and uh, right. yeah, I um. I don't know. I actually, I usually do kind of do that a little like on a, I don't know, more things that I'm like, hey, would you want to talk about this? I'll do that for a guest. Um, right. Yeah, I probably should. I probably should have gone over the notes actually with you, but. Um, oh, no, it's completely fine. Um, yeah. You know, speaking of rookie mistakes, I realized I left my window open. I'm letting all this background noise in. My bad about that. Go ahead. It's not really coming up too, too much, but I don't know. I haven't heard it without it. So, uh yeah, actually, I have more notes on you than uh, any guest so far, because like I said, I can't get through five minutes of your show without well, what, what about or just more about. <laughs> well, let me yeah. first take a moment to shout out my news source, because okay. I usually get a lot of my news, not like from the same place, but I get inspiration from the same place. So around like it's been almost two years now, I found this YouTube show. And I was convinced the first time that I stumbled upon it, that they had to be Canadians because one, their set was kind of like, it, it looked makeshift. So it didn't look, I mean, it, it just didn't look like a normal American show. And they were being so overly honest about American politics that I was convinced that no one in America would actually be that honest <laughs> about American <laughs> politics. Uh, but come to find out, you know, I was just stumbling upon, you know, this new show that was basically had just been launched by The Hill. And the hosts' names are Crystal Ball and Sagar and Jetty. And when I found them, they had like 8,000 subscribers on YouTube. They now have over a million. 
Yeah. And I'm aware yeah, of Crystal sh- Ball, actually. I've heard yeah. the name. Um might not rising. Might not be portrayed to me in the best light. I'm a Jimmy Dore fan. Do you like Jimmy Dore at all? I've heard his name, but I don't know that I've watched I, I think I've seen him before. I feel like he's made an appearance on the Young Turks before. Uh he actually he was um hired by the Young Turks uh, at one point. Okay. He worked, he he like, his show was underneath them. He has massive disagreements with Chank Guger now. Um, mm, okay. If, if we're saying, if I said that right. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, I don't know. He's, uh, I've heard, he constantly gets accused of poisoning the left and stuff. I think he makes some fair points. Like he, he, was, uh, he was one of the main guys pushing for that uh, force the vote kind of thing. I don't know That's how you feel right. about that. Yeah, yeah, I, I do remember that. And you know what? I mean, I agree with it. At the same time, it's also hard to know what exactly should be done. Because when you're in the halls of Congress, I'm sure that, you know, like you have a you have a mixed batch of people who actually do care about the issues and then people who are just trying to advance their political career. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to know where some of these people land. But you know, if I'm trying to defend them, not that I feel like I need to, but if I'm trying to defend the not forcing the vote, I, I think the idea behind it is that, you know, we are kind of shifting the political conversation left anyway. So oh, absolutely. Stay on course, you yeah. know, maybe the, things will just naturally keep going that way. Yeah, I mean, I uh, like I've t- I told you, I come from more of a libertarian perspective. I, we're losing every day, dude. <laughs> like, I mean, or not really uh, libertarian. Um, th- it's hard to say because libertarians kind of like a little step outside the system. Like, I look at Republicans and I look at Democrats in the same exact light. Like, I, I do see them as two sides of the same coin. But um, I understand they might work for things differently. But at the end of the day, it seems like it always just moves towards corporate interest. I have to agree with you on that. I yeah. mean, honestly, it feels like right now, I don't know. It's it's strange. I feel like the Republican Party currently is more, I mean, is mostly libertarian with maybe with the exception of how they feel about, you know, invading other countries all the time. They're, yeah, they, they're, so, you know what? They're libertarian in their own heads. But the thing is, once you actually, like, I mean, if you, if you dive into libertarianism, no, Republicans are so far off from anything we believe. Like, it really, you can't have, I'd say if they're libertarian, they're extremely misinformed and accidentally libertarian. Like Right. I think my reason for saying that was because it feels like, you know, libertarians just always want to reduce spending, which I don't think is a bad idea. Yeah. But it seems like Republicans are always against spending unless it's for corporate interests. Well, that's my exact problem with the Republicans when you're like, yeah. well, they seem libertarian. I'm like, yeah, they only seem libertarian. They never fucking do right. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah they, yeah. I, guess, I guess they like to virtue signal to libertarians. But yeah, exactly. To get to more votes. Yep. Sorry. Right. Well, yeah. When it comes down to executing, not so much. Not so much. I mean, they didn't have a, a single problem spending so much money underneath the Trump administration, the same way that they didn't have a problem expanding the role of government to like triple the size that it was under the Bush administration. So yeah. I mean, not like, exactly the best track record. Like I, I came from being like vaguely like I was like apolitical and um, then I became by default, like I started paying attention to the 2016 election where I started paying attention really in 2015 is when things like po- politics entered my world. It kind of started with Gamergate. Like when that happened, like they just all of a sudden po- that was like it was kind of a definitive moment with Gamergate. It felt like that was the moment where you started hearing everyone go. I just why does everything have to be about politics? What does everything have to be? It seems like it started in 2015 or I mean, it 
it had been boiling under the surface, but it, it started to like really like come above the surface at that point. It wasn't in the background yeah. anymore. Yeah, and honestly, I feel like a lot of people are always trying to find the catalyst that really drove mm. all of our country to be more political. I don't think you have to look any farther than Silicon Valley. Mm. And I think that some people might think that it's like, oh, you know, like the tech companies, you know, like trying to like push their own agenda. I think it's a lot more subtle than that. Yeah. I think it's honestly just people having access to a smartphone and the internet at all times. Mm -hmm. And therefore you can just talk about whatever's on your mind all the time. And now we're in a society where the more outlandish of a thing you say, the more clicks you get and the more retweets and the more likes you get, the more shares you get. And politics is always super engaging because it pisses people off. Not just so, politics though. Extremism yeah. is what travels faster. Like yeah. Not just the idea, the most radical version of the idea has the highest appeal. So it's polarizing. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think that with everyone constantly being jacked into the matrix, I mean, it was just basically inevitable that we were going to see this. And okay. I, I don't think it's going anywhere. And of course, like I'm not pointing to Gamergate as the catalyst. I'm pointing it to as a landmark. Essentially, it was yeah. it was one of those events that you're like, like something kind of changed in, in that moment. It was just the it was because it was an online conflict when it happened. And it yeah. was just a bunch of different ideas. It was a lot more than one person messing with journalism and uh, just specifically just video game category, which is like it seems like such a non effect. But you just piss those guys off. And the thing is, when you hear they're coming for their thing, all of a sudden, like 50% of them just just magnetized like they were just like Trump 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 because you came from my video game and it's like yes. like people like thought they there was two options and it's somewhere similar to where I felt I'm like oh you got two options and another rookie mistake you got two options and I don't like this one more I, I don't know I'm like well she started she helped facilitate wars in other countries that I don't agree with and he just seems like a nasty businessman I'm like you know and so you had to pick a side Honestly, I'm so conflicted about that election. Like even looking back on it, like if I was like, it was like, if you had to go back in time, would you vote for, Hil I didn't vote for Hillary in 2016. Mm -hmm. And so I always ask myself, like, if you had to go back in time, would you vote for Hillary in 2016, knowing what, what the Trump presidency became? Yeah. I still struggle with that because there was just no part of me that was ever interested in a Hillary Clinton presidency. Exactly. I mean, it's, it's like, like you were saying with it, uh, it's it feels like the conversation's moving more left, but it's not just moving left. It's moving left in dialogue and nothing else. Like they're saying the things, like, but I, I think it's summed up best in um two pictures. I, it is this meme that was going around. And so it's 2008. A bunch of people, mostly leftists, standing on Wall Street, screaming like for probably misdirected. They probably could have gone down to the Federal Reserve and done a little better. They, they decided on Wall Street. I'm like, oh, they're facilitated by this other guy, but let's not talk about that. Anyway, yeah. um, so you have all these people out there working for active change, and then you move towards another picture in 2015, and it's a J.P. Morgan gay pride float, and it's like, sure, I love that. Like, gays have the right to get married and, like, everything, but, like, wow, did you just totally move the, like, you move the window. Like we're not talking about what we're talking about. We're not talking about like the unfair, like, I, like I feel like up to 2008, there was more of a class dynamic to the left. And all of a sudden it became focused on identity politics in a way that I think just undermined the movement. Like there were some legitimate concerns of the left back then. And you yeah, know, I don't know. I, I think that 
what I'm seeing right now from the from the left is it's it, it feels like like a huge overcorrection. It's like if you were getting tired while you're driving on a highway and you feel yourself hit the rumble strip mm -hmm. and then so you try to like get back into the lane but instead of like just casually moving back left into the lane you like overcorrect and now you're in the other lane and you're hitting the other rumble strip yeah and i i feel like that's more or less what i'm seeing right now because mm -hmm. obviously you know in my opinion you know i'll just start off by saying that that's all we're talking in just opinions yeah th these <laughs> conversations about you know, marginalized groups. I feel like they were, they're important to have. Absolutely. But I feel like the ways in which we're having them are, are just not really conducive to bringing about the change that we want. I, d I just yeah. feel like they're just, they're way too combative and not enough trying to truly analyze what exactly is going on. And then going after the roots of those problems, we're just too busy wanting to yell at each other for, for basically how society's always been and the fact that we can't change society in the snap of our fingers. Yeah. I mean, it's just like from, from more looking at the history of like where the libertarian parties push things, they were the first ones like Democrats co-opted gay rights. The libertarians were the first people like actually screaming for it, probably going back to like late seventies, early eighties. And like, it was slowly like a sentiment that built up in the democratic party. Once it was cool. Like once it was like, Oh, okay. 51% cool with this. All right. Now we're in. And uh, yeah. yeah. And it, it just, it feels like they just go with it. So, but meanwhile, the same libertarian movement that is like pushing for gay rights for a lot longer, most of them view some of this stuff as counterproductive. Like, like, all right. So you'd say like a more libertarian view, like they don't, they don't want to do like, um, I, it's hard to say, you know, cause I go back in between two different ideas of libertarianism as like, have you seen the political compass? Obviously like the bottom being labeled libertarian, the top being labeled authoritarian. Yeah. It's like it puts something in people's heads because they think of the party. Like, I don't even really like the party. Like, they don't really represent my views. I'm just more anti-authoritarian is what I am. So it's right, it's only by right, name, okay. you know? Like, it's like there's there's definitely like, um, like, do you know Vosh or something? I'm actually, I'm, you know, usually don't do things like that in, in this in the middle of a, of a podcast. But I actually took the political compass test. I'm going to send it to you while we're on air really quickly. Here. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know what? I'm not sure if I know that Vosh, me a little bit. Yeah, he's, yeah. he's just a YouTuber, but, um, I'd say like, like he's, he's, he calls himself a anarcho syndicalist, which, um, you know, he pushes for like more, uh, commune ideas and stuff and like labor, like he's focused on labor. But at the end of the day, I would still label that guy libertarian because he seems anti-authority like, or unjust right. authority, you know? And that's, that's more the challenge. Like I go back and forth between those things. Like when I like, it's, it's kind of a broken word. Like we need a new word for it because when people think libertarian, they think of this tiny little chunk on the compass and it's not, I think it's the whole bottom row. <laughs> no. And I actually never had heard about this political compass test until a few months ago. And then I took it. And apparently these are my results here. As I just sent them. Okay. To you. Let me check. Did you send it on Twitter? Yep. Yeah. Okay. It's coming through. You are dead on with my dad. <laughs> yeah. So that that's that's apparently where where my test landed me. So yeah, it's like the Sanders the, zone. <laughs> yeah, in the in the bottom left area there. So yeah, I, you know, the way I I feel about these things is, you know, I have conversations with my libertarian friends. I have mm -hmm. a few of them, and I in fact, you know, like my one friend Lloyd, he comes on my podcast pretty often. He was on my podcast just like a couple episodes ago, mm -hmm. and so he's always talking to me about his views on. Wait, let me, let me guess which one he was. Um, was he on the panel? Yes. 
Okay, he was the guy who mentioned uh, the racial divisity of the George Floyd thing. Am I right? No, you're wrong. Oh, I thought I almost got it. Republican guy then? I don't know. <laughs> well, actually, well, that guy is Republican, yes. Okay. And then, so I had a Republican, a Libertarian, and a Democrat. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and me, so I guess. I was so, just, I was taking a guess. Oh, now I don't know which yeah. one was Libertarian. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, so I'm always talking to him about these things. And the, the one thing, my one criticism about like true Libertarianism, I guess that you would say, mm-hmm. and you can correct me if I'm wrong about this, but I feel like for Libertarianism, the reason why I can just never personally understand it was because it seems to revolve around like personal responsibility and believing that, and believing that if you just free up everyone to make up their own decisions, that society will work better. Mm -hmm. And I just don't have that level of faith in the, in the everyday person Mm -hmm. for a majority of people. Sure. For everyone, no. Well, let me put no. it this way then. So since you have a problem with individual choices, why would you want to put some individual in charge of a mass group with his individual choices? Essentially, I mean, he's supposed to respond to those people, but they don't have to all the time. Right. And that's, you know, and I'm not saying, and you know, like I think, you know, trying to make that comparison, I don't think that our current form of government either is also working. Yeah, you know, it, it needs, doesn't work for it anyone. Needs re- it <laughs> needs reform. I, I just think that how it's set up, like, I guess from the from the foundational piece, it makes sense to me. I just feel like along the way of it being built, it wasn't built correctly. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just a matter of going back in and fixing it. Because what we have right now is a system where people can abuse the government left, right, and sideways, and there's absolutely no repercussions for it. Mm-hmm. And that's the main issue. That well, wait, I actually, elaborate a little on that. Elaborate a little on abuse the government. Are you saying taking advantage of it or like? Well, I of mean, course you're saying that, but long, in what how sense? How long do you want to go into this conversation? I uh, just try I to mean, point me in the direction you were taking that, because there's a lot of different ways you could go with that. Well, I guess for a large part, you have there's too many entities of government power. I mean, this is about federal level, state level, local level. You have politicians who are able to essentially take what is supposed to be their job title and then abuse that level. Let's just go to a local level here, for instance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mayors in certain communities they have the ability to create the budgets for their towns or their cities, right? Now, they can essentially take money from corporations to give those corporations tax breaks in order to build in their communities. Honestly, they shouldn't be able to do that, but they're able to do it and they're able to get away with it. An individual taking money from a large corporation to get a tax break so they can build in that town. That shouldn't be allowed. However, it goes on and there's no real way to police it. That's a problem. Yeah. Well, the main, the main, the main thing I usually point to is because when people picture libertarianism, they picture end game libertarianism, which is nothing I'm aiming for. Like, you know, it's a, it's a weird term, like end game capitalism, end game communism, you know, it's like yeah. none of these ideas, these ideas, like in the way they take place kind of evolve over time. So there is no end game if it's successful, really end game just means it was a failed system. But, um, what I, what I like to do with the idea of liberty is I think there's more places that we could push towards um because you know actually here let, let, here's a perfect example because you said uh and to my most libertarian friends you said this on a recent episode about the about the um pandemic you're referring to right you were saying yeah. uh, my most libertarian friends isn't this the time you would use government and uh i i gotta be honest i think this is the time that we use the most government and i think we saw the failures in it i think we saw many failures in the structure and yeah. I think this is one of the best examples of why we should keep the government from having an overreach. Because at a certain point, like 
you can look to Florida right now, middle of the pack, a lot lower regulations, very normal like rate for this stuff. And you can see they've mostly been doing the right thing. They never had to close down schools. It was overreach that like led to these things. Like I live in probably one of the worst places for the regulations. Like it's insane here. And it was overkill. Like it it destroyed businesses. I, I can't think of one that would survive without cheating the system. Like they were breaking the rules to stay afloat. And then the guy, you know, who's writing most of the publications, like, you know, you see, like, you see, like, WAPO, or not most of them, but I'm just, as an example, I'm saying you see, like, WAPO putting out pro-lockdown stuff as the richest man in the world continues to get richer. Like, yeah, I, I see somewhat how it's working for corporate interests and not for the average person. So when you leave the individual to make their own choices, like, I, you know, I, I think some people could have made more practical decisions in this than uh, what the experts thought. The experts screwed it up in many ways, I, I think. And uh, I mean, it was a pandemic. What are we going to do? But just, I think people, I do actually have a decent amount of faith in people to, if they were given the information and they weren't forced to, they would have done everything, especially if it was just suggestions. I think there's so many people in this country, like ODD style, just here, you got to, and they're out. Like, and, and I'm kind of in a similar fashion, like, I, I can't, like, there, there is something that I go, listen, no, there's this thing called freedom and freedom of choice, and when you violate it, I feel the need to speak up, even if the thing you're imposing is the best option for everybody. Just let them make their own decision. I guarantee you, I, I maybe I have too much faith in humanity. I think they're going to make the right choices. Yeah, you're opening your eyes pretty. I got too much faith in humanity. You met a lot of stupids. <laughs> you know, I... Let me touch on a few different things you said there. Yeah. Uh, the, the first thing is, you know, you talked about like how we have seen a huge amount of government overreach right now. Mm-hmm. And you're not wrong. I, I think that the government definitely like flexed its muscle during this pandemic. And the issue that I have isn't that the government flexed its muscle. My issue is that they lied about things that they should have, that they didn't need to lie about. Mm-hmm. And that they withheld information when they didn't need to withhold information. And they bungled the opportunity to explain things that needed to be explained. And so my qualm isn't that the government flexed. My qualm is that when they chose to, they messed it up so bad that they've inherently created more distrust in a system that already had very little distrust in a system where we absolutely need to trust it. But we can't trust it if they're going to continue to make mistakes like that. We can't trust it but, if they're going to be corrupt. We can't trust it if they're going to take what is the moment where they're supposed to be at their best and they absolutely flounder it, which you saw that in so many different ways. And one of the things that I point to just in particular, you know, I know that you know there's plenty of things to talk about here, mm-hmm. but the fact that they're, I mean, God, there are so many different things here, but I'll just point to one in particular. The unemployment insurance. Mm-hmm. So they the the goal to help people during the pandemic was to put everyone on unemployment. But with the same what one of the problems with that is that every single state has a different unemployment insurance option. Mm-hmm. And then so the federal government kicks that responsibility to the states. And then not only do the states all have different basically infrastructures, but some of the states weren't equipped to even handle it. And so then you have 50 different states having 50 different solutions about how to roll that all out. And you don't even mention the fact that there are some people who were affected by the pandemic who couldn't get on unemployment insurance. So those people are just left to fight for themselves. And they're like, okay, does no one care about what's happening to me? Mm -hmm. And so- Or worse, they'll come for you after 
and they'll say you owe the money back because you did the insurance on unemployment wrong. $25,000 in debt, my buddy, right now. It's an absolute mess. It mm -hmm. is, it's, it's absolutely disgusting to me. So, so yeah, I mean, like maybe I'm also illustrating in real time that maybe I have too much faith in the government, but I feel like it could have worked better if you had the right people involved. But I also feel like that, you say it's the fumble, they lied to the people. I feel like the lie came from the mindset that these are the stupids and they can't handle it on their own, so we have to lie to them so they, you know, do the right thing. We have to tell them false information because they're not smart enough to figure it out on their own. Like, I'm a and dumb guy. Be penalties I'm a dumb guy, okay? I can do smart things sometimes if you give me the right information. <laughs> Right. And there should be penalties for that. Like yeah. Dr. Fauci shouldn't be allowed to go out and tell the public that they don't have to wear masks. And then yeah. one month later be like, oh, my mistake. You do have to wear masks. And then it'd be one thing if maybe you didn't have the information a month prior and you were just acting on the best information that you had at the time. But that wasn't the case. Mm -hmm. The case was you did know from Jump Street that everyone should be wearing masks, but you told everyone not to because you thought there might be a shortage and that if you did that, then everyone would go out and buy them and that the healthcare professionals wouldn't have them. But if you had just trusted people with the information, then maybe people would have actually, you know, make, continued to believe in your credibility. Mm -hmm. But you, when you destroyed in the first month of the pandemic. But this is one of my biggest issues with statism is that we put faith in these people like Dr. Fauci and then we're taking advice for him as an epidemiologist on economics. That's not his fucking expertise. Like, uh, we're treating him like that because they're fucking putting his fucking name on panties and making action figures of him to fucking appeal to these people who think he's like a god. And he's got one tiny lane and we're asking him for information on all these lanes. It's, it's honestly, like, I'd feel bad for the guy if he didn't make more than the president does. But, you know, um, <laughs> like, it's, it's not... Something we shouldn't be looking to like the, these Ubermen, like these, these these gods among men who can make decisions for us. I think I think when it comes down to it, that like there's some places for structure. And why I say like as a libertarian, I move towards liberty. I want it to go in that direction. And when it fucked up, we can go. All right, all right, all right, all right. Sorry, liberty fucked it, fucked up today. We'll we'll reel it back. Maybe more government. I don't know. Maybe more regulation. We got this one wrong. A whole village got poisoned. I don't know. Like, yeah. yeah. But moving more into the direction where people are able to make decisions for themselves, I I think I, I I do think people are smarter. I think people are smart enough to make responsible decisions if they're given the correct information. You know, the only reason I just don't believe that mm -hmm. is because I just. And it's and it's not me like trying to knock everyone in America. That's mm -hmm. that's not the goal here. But I just feel like there are so many people that literally do not care there. about about what happens to other people as long as they're fine. Mm -hmm. I mean, whenever and I I just I feel like that is such a resounding sentiment for so many people from all sides. That, yeah, and this is this is not a politically based thing. I'm not saying this is how all libertarians are. This is how no, 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 no. Because how I'm reading this right now is you're completely yeah. correct. In the left and the right have felt this way equally. Um, I'm losing my train of thought. You were just saying it was because of uh, the uh, feeling. Oh my god, I, I, I'm sorry. This is yeah. No, I was basically just saying that this is why I just, I, I just do not believe in just being like, oh yeah, the more freedom. That we give people mm -hmm. like that they'll never they'll never they'll always make the right decision. I believe. Oh, in I don't think they will. Well. I mean, I believe in freedom as well, but I feel like there has to be limitations on certain things. Like 
when we're dealing with a global health crisis, like your decisions can impact others. So mm -hmm. it's not like, it's not like where, you know, you make a decision and it only affects you, mm -hmm. you know, like that's, in my opinion, if you're making a decision that only affects you make whatever decision you want. Mm -hmm. But if you're making a decision that affects other people, then we have to agree as a society what's best. Yes. Um, I think we should like, we should do our best to move things in a direction where individual, like that, that's one of my issues, like, of uh, moving it to the government is eventually like these decisions get made for everyone when it helps right. only some like, you know, like uh, I, 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 do, I just see like, I guess maybe it doesn't go down to the level of literally your house. The focus should be towards that. And there does need to be some limit. Like I, I I'm not just a, like a blind libertarian. I, I don't know what I am. I'm constantly evolving. And I do think eventually I'm probably gonna, <laughs> like, I always, I always make the joke. I fall somewhere between, um, J reg and destiny, like a, a, a typical, uh, neoliberal centrist and yeah. an extremist anti-centrist. I'm like, they're both equally right half the time. Like sometimes these arguments are somewhere in the middle. And then sometimes the middle is the extreme that is ignoring all outside voices in, in, that's kind of schizophrenic in a sense, but like, it's no, yeah. honestly, I, I think you're, you're painting a picture that is really clear for me that I feel like I've been on a, this particular train for a long time. Mm -hmm. I, I think since high school, um, which is, I don't believe that it makes sense to have the same political, like, um, ideology for every single issue across the board. Mm. And I that's, mean, that's, that's why, just, yeah, sorry, sorry. What? That's just, that's honestly one of the, one of the things that went into me naming it independent thought, not mm. so much being independent for the sake of like, oh, I refuse to claim a party, but it's more or less yeah. just like when just quick backstory, when I was in mm. high school, I came across like Chris Rock standups for the first time. Yeah. And I thought they were hilarious, but he yes. said something in one of his standups that, is honestly like the basis for how I feel politically, which he just said that it just doesn't make any sense for any normal human being to be conservative about everything or to be liberal about everything. Like no decent person can be one thing for every issue. Exactly. And that always just kind of stuck with me. I was like, you know what? I agree. I mean, I don't know how you could be conservative about everything or liberal about everything. Like, how does that make any sense? That's why I think like just, that's why libertarianism like made so much sense to me is when you find out they're moving for all the social change. And then essentially the only thing they don't agree with entirely with the left is just like, well, modern monetary theory saying that, you know, we have an infinite amount of money sounds a little crazy. <laughs> Honestly, I do not understand. And I will admit this to you on your podcast recorded. It can be out there for all time. I do not understand the conversation around the deficit and the debts. I have tried my best to learn mm -hmm. about it. I have done research through articles. I've watched YouTube videos. I watched John Oliver do a piece on it. I've watched politicians try to explain it to me. There is no one person that has been able to make this make sense to me because I do not understand how the debt is truly affecting us. I mean, people try to make it oh, make really? sense yeah. and really kind of like, you know, uh, basic ways are like, well, if you just keep spending money, you're going to devalue your currency. I'm just like, yeah, you said that 30 years ago. Oh, and it's been and happening, though. Still, oh, it's yeah, been happening but, extremely since then. like Or since right. longer, since the 70s. 
and yet we're still the global standard. But so, that's I mean, the like, thing I'm is, just... though, we're the global standard at gunpoint. We're going to bomb any country who wants to check our books. They tried to do it back in the 70s is where it really started to go wrong. France and England were like, hey, can we check your bank account? We're like, <laughs> do it. So, why, why would that change in another 50 years? Um, I, I don't know, but I think it's a horrible <laughs> precedence to set that just because you're the military imperialist global power that'll wreck another country because no, our no, fun you're, bucks you're, matter. Our you're, fun you're, bucks matter. <laughs> you're absolutely right. I think basically what I'm trying to say is, is that for the longest time, the conversation has always been, it, it feels like it's used in Washington as a crutch. Mm. Like we can't do this because we can't devalue our currency. But then, kind of like going back to what you said earlier about corporate interests, mm -hmm. whenever corporate interests are involved, then the bank account seems to be endless. That's, that's the whole thing. That's the Absolutely thing, though. Where endless. do they go? Where do they go at the end? Do they stay? Are they tied to this? No, it's multinational corporations that say, ha, devalue your country. Peace. We're Chinese now. <laughs> you know, I just, so for me, like, I, I understand in theory that you shouldn't just spend unlimited sums of money. Yep. My thing that I'm always talking about is like, what are we spending it on? Mm. You know, that that's what's really important to me. And actually, I think, you know, for those who end up like going and listening to my podcast after this, I it was either the second or third episode of my current season. Uh, so this is back in like end of December, beginning of January. I was breaking down the stimulus bill that came out at the end of December, the last one that the Trump administration had put out. Um, so when they gave out those $600 stimulus checks, so that particular bill, I was, I spent the first like 10 minutes of that episode, just going through where some of the money was going from that bill. And I was like, listen, I'm not against us spending money, but this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. Like, how do we justify spending money on these things? And that's what I'm like, saying. That is just beyond me. It feels like the incentives are so perverse. They really only work for these corporations. And that's why when you're like, hey, I, the deficit hasn't affected us. Like, because we're the best place for Coca-Cola to be located still. That can change in a fucking second. And boom, we're Venezuela. Yes. I mean, Venezuela has been used as the boogeyman. For yeah. Quite a few years hey, ours now. is Somalia, libertarians. I actually, I'll defend Somalia. I think there's some good parts. <laughs> yeah. So I, so I got to say, you know, just for complete, you know, transparency, because I don't want to act like I'm smarter than I actually am. So that, that is a particular issue that I admittedly don't know enough about. Which one, Somalia or Venezuela? Oh, no, no. I just mean like the deficit and the debt oh, okay. just as, as a total thing. So it is truthfully a, a subject that I'm not well educated on yet, but I am trying to like make strides to understand it better because one of the things I try to do on my podcast is I don't like talking about things that I'm not overly familiar with because I'm starting to realize now that people come to me for information and I'm trying to take some kind of pride in that. And so I do, <laughs> I mean, I, I just, I want to be correct, you know, mm. like maybe I won't, get, maybe I won't be perfect, but I want to feel like I have a good grasp on what I'm talking about, which is another reason why I haven't touched the um, Israeli Palestinian kind of like battle, you know, like, because I, I was telling people today on it, not today, but this week on Instagram that I, I, you know, legit do not know enough about that subject to be like, we should feel this way. And so I've just stayed out of it so far, yeah. but 
definitely trying to learn more about it because I, I don't know enough about Israel or Palestine to be like, oh, this is this is what's going on there. I know a little bit. It's uh, I mean, this really short version is, OK, uh, Palestine sided with the Nazis in World War Two. And uh, a lot of countries agreed, like, you know, if you sided with the Nazis, you lose a lot of points. And so they gave up half their countries to the Jewish state, which kind of like in a like it's a, it's a, ask a muslim ask a jew very different reasons why the jews should be there they don't uh, they don't seem to agree um and then and then it really it, it, it's complicated like i I'd pro, i think at the end of things i end up more pro palestine but then i go to the other side i go well there's one jewish country in this world and they're surrounded by people that want them dead I mean, they need somewhere to go. Anti-Semitism is a thing, but it seems like they got a bigger flex with having the, you know, our, our big guns right behind them. So it's, it's complicated. I don't know. And additionally, the U S has a huge, huge benefit of just being like, Oh, by the way, uh, that super, uh, lucrative area for like, you know, Lockheed Martin and all our big buddies over here. Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the pro war people. Yeah. It's nice to have like a defensible unit in the center that you can be like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Did you just hate the Jews? And it's like, 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 you know, it's backed by that. And like, I don't know. It's complicated. It seems like it's more the military industrial complex using this anti-Semitism to further their own genocide. And it's like, yeah, it's, you know why, you know, you know what? When, when my politics show, like I said, uh, I talked to you earlier, it ended. Uh, we just we just taken a break from it. When I saw this shit pop off, I was like, my buddy texted me. He goes, damn, man, it was a slow news week for a while before we ended it. Like, all this shit went crazy this week. And I was like, I'm glad to stay out of it. It's just complicated. It is really complicated. And I felt like I, when I post, I do most of my work on Instagram. Like, mm-hmm. I, I barely ever touch, like, Twitter or Facebook for promoting yeah, my podcast. Too. So I spend most of my time on Instagram. I, I like put up a slide basically saying, you know, like what I just said, that I don't know enough about this. I'm going to try to learn more about it. Mm-hmm. I had, a, you know, quite a few people DM me afterwards and try to like, you know, they're like, oh, you want you hear stuff about this? Well, like, here's this and here's that and here's this. And everything that I was sent was like pro-Palestine. And I was like, okay, well, I, I think mm-hmm. that, you know, everyone's going to push me into the, into the pro-Palestine camp. So I'll like, I'll definitely like look into this. And I was like, okay, I, I see where people are coming from. And, you know, like by the time I was done, the one question that I couldn't help but ask myself, you know, like wasn't, it was kind of like aside from what was happening between Israel and Palestine. But one of the things that just stood out to me was the fact that the U.S. government seems to give Israel billions of dollars of taxpayer money every single year. Like that literally makes no sense no we don't we don't give money to any country annually i mean we i mean like saudi arabia too but anyway (laughs) but it's just like it it makes absolutely no sense to me like what is the what is the reason for it because to my knowledge like they're they have never really explained why they give that money to them i mean interest i mean (laughs) right right i mean i can i can i can guess as well but like you know like legitimately they've never had to explain the reason why they do that. And I think that's kind of ridiculous to me because we're constantly talking about how, well, we can't spend money on this or we can't spend money on that. Or we can't spend money on this people. I'm like, oh, America first, America first. Like, okay, um, why is our taxpayer money going to a country that doesn't need it? I know, I've, been, I've actually, uh, I, I, I like what 
that bill specifically, like when you were saying you're reading through it, did to some people, uh, I, my foster parents are super democratic and, yeah. uh, but like more so because it's popular in the area and it's yeah, just, I mean, it's, you're yeah. in a very blue state. Yeah. They're, it's yeah. just like, they're agreeable people. Let's say that. But, um, yeah. they, uh, she was sounding like my, my foster mom was sounding like Nick Fuentes when that bill came out. She's like, we're over here. I'm in the hospital. Like she's a nurse. She's like, I'm trying to take care of these people and we're sending money to these other countries. Like we're actually in a real thing. And I'm just like, when did you become a Nazi? <laughs> No, I was making jokes just because it's like odd hearing it from her mouth. But no, it is a perspective. It's like, why is this happening? Our country has so many problems and we're sending our money everywhere else to obviously, I mean, places that do have problems. Israel's not particularly one of them. I mean, they they have socialized medicine. They have free, they, they have like free higher education for people. Yeah. I mean, they're a first world nation. It'd be the equivalent of us sending like money to France every year or money to Spain or like UK or Australia. Like, you know, those aren't countries who need our money. And last time I checked, we claim to need our money. Yeah, we we do. (laughs) No, really. It's, it's like, it's insane to me. Like, I don't know. Like that, that's what, that's really where the conflict comes from. I go between like, Hey, like, Freedom of thought, Jews need a place to go, right? They get their one spot. They pick the most divisive spot in the world. And then my mind just goes to, well, why is, like, you're like, well, why is this still happening? This seems crazy. And then you see the big check that people are making and you're like, well, I'm not going to ignore that. It's definitely about the money. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I just, you know, I, I think for me, you know, the, the one thing, it, it wasn't, I mean, obviously there's a, there's a, a financial component to it. So, I mean, I'm not entirely like ignorant of that. The question I had was why them? I mean, because to be fair, you could, as the U S government, you could be sending money to Armenia every year. You could be sending money to Afghanistan every year. You could be Mm -hmm. sending money to Egypt every year. Like we we do though. We actually, we do send uh, smaller amounts to those countries though. We we send it just about everywhere in the world. There's rarely a country that doesn't get some funding from us. And like, I think it's like the the totality of it. We send like, I think it's like around $4 billion a year to Israel. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's, It's why is it so much more? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just like, like, what is it about Israel, particularly that we're like, we need to give those people money. Like, we just need to just do it. Just do it. Yeah. You know, I yeah. mean, I, I I think the strangest the reason that that first came up for me and we can transition after this. But like, yeah, in the 2012 election, this yes. was like the moment where I was actually becoming apolitical. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw two candidates that I just did not believe in, yep. in Obama and Romney. And I remember <laughs> both of them in a debate spending numerous minutes proclaiming their dedication to the nation of Israel. And I was like, being a young, like early twenties, you know, kid, I was like, wait a second, why does Obama and Romney care so much that the nation of Israel, you know, you know, like them, like last Mm -hmm. time I checked, you're trying to run for the the president of this country, but now you're spending minutes talking about how like, you're the best candidate for Israel and you're the best candidate for Israel. I'm like, why are, are either of you the best candidate for Israel? Like, wh- how does that affect us? Like, we're, are you campaigning for the people of like India after this? I mean, like, <laughs> I just don't understand it, but you know, anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, you know what? I think we summed it up there. There is no under, well, no, there is no understanding. <laughs> yeah. It, it just, it's, it's felt, it feels really random to me, but you know, honestly, 
that time frame for me, that was the moment in my political life where I checked out of politics. I I'm, I'm like 30 years old, just for reference. Yeah. And I got semi into politics because I turned 18 the year of Obama's uh, first uh, election. So I turned 18 in 2008. Okay. And I voted in that election and I was like, I, I was really excited to have Obama in office. I was 18. I didn't really, I didn't really know too much other than the fact that my family were Democrats and they were like, Bush is bad. So vote for Obama. And yeah. I was like, okay, whatever. And then I saw him make a few speeches about, you know, ending torture and closing Guantanamo and signing and getting rid of the Patriot Act Sold. And, Sold. Getting out of Al- <laughs> and getting out of Afghanistan. And I was like, 18 year old, you know, Desmond Price was like, yeah, those all things all make sense. Yeah. And then three years later, uh, we were still torturing people. We hadn't closed down Guantanamo. We <laughs> signed the Patriot Act and he didn't pull anyone out of Afghanistan. And I was like, yep, I think I'm done with politics. And then and then <laughs> constantly, constantly, though, like any like. So, all right. The left broke a little bit under Obama. You were fixed under Obama. Like you're, you saw you're like, hey, he's not doing the things he's saying he's doing. And, you know, that led to a more correct worldview. A lot of people are just like. Racist can't criticize the man. And it's just like, dude, like, no, it's not doing the like he had good idea and then he didn't do them. And, and you can't criticize like there was a lot of the left that was broken. They refused to hear any negative commentary on him and. I mean, he got a lot. It was out there. So, like, at a certain point, you know, try to defend the guy. Like, half it was fucking just racism. But, nah, man, dude fucked up. Like, dude dude didn't, like, he went in there. And, I mean, you know what? He only fucked up as bad as any other president. Like, let's not let's not blame him specifically. But, yeah, it's, it, like, there was a lot of, like, watchdogs were gone during his time from the left. Like, they became pro-war in defense of that man. Some of them. You know what? Honestly, what you're explaining right now is my main motivation for wanting to do my podcast. Nice. That's my main motivation. <laughs> so it's not just like a rebuke of the left because this is honestly, truthfully, and you know, maybe I'm not making friends here, but I feel like it's even worse on the right. Um, but that's <laughs> no, not you're, point, you're making friends here. <laughs> yeah, because I, I feel like it really is. This is a both sides thing. But the, my point is, is that most people who are normal people who mm-hmm. don't pay attention to politics, they pay attention very casually. Yes. They see an occasional thing on social media, the occasional thing, maybe in a dentist's office while you're <laughs> waiting for your appointment, you see something like scroll across the screen. Like people aren't engaged in politics. They're living their everyday lives. Right. And so they rely on authority figures to give them accurate information. And they believe that those people are telling them the truth, you know, and we have, unfortunately the case where, people in the media on both sides, instead of doing the right thing, the thing that's, you know, that would give you integrity, which is presenting the news in factual ways, they just like spin it for whatever their corporate interests are. So we have media that's on the left, we have media that's on the right, and their only real main job is to make you hate the other side while propping mm. up their side. Mm. And I just cannot stand that. I, I, just, I just cannot stand that because I find myself agreeing with Democrats on some of their issues, but then their politicians are corrupt. And, you know, so it's like, I don't feel comfortable being in a space where, oh, well, because I voted for a Democrat, now I can't attack a Democrat. No, forget that. There's no chance that's happening. No, it's just like, if you don't want to be attacked, then don't be corrupt. That's just, that's my main, you know, feelings on it. And so with Obama in particular, 
like he did good things in my opinion. He did bad things in my opinion. But when he did bad things, it felt like people in the media would rather than address those bad things, they were like, oh, well, if you criticize him, then you're racist. And I'm just like, that does so much damage to actual yes. racism because there's so many times when racism is a part of the conversation. And now because you're lumping it in with all the times where it's not in the conversation, you're only actually diluting its importance in our society. Yeah. And that just bothers me to no end. Uh, I mean, do you, do you somewhat get my vibe with the whole um, 2008, Occupy Wall Street, 2015, J.P. Morgan, Gay Pride Flow. Oh, no. It's like it's, I, I do exactly yeah. what you were saying. Yeah, you know, like co corporations realized they were under attack and they decided to align themselves with, you know, with certain kind of movements in order to mm -hmm. kind of like take the it's so fake the spotlight off of them a little bit. It's so fake. They cause problems to the same communities that they they pretend to like. They just say the thing. They don't do anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same way that. You know, you have Nike, you know, for instance, you know, trying to have Colin Kaepernick in a commercial trying to talk about how they are all about Black Lives Matter. You know, basically what they're trying to say is that we believe that oppressed people should not be oppressed. And then you find out that they are actively buying cotton from Northwest China, where there are a bunch of people in concentration camps currently. Yo, so, I know. What, so what is it? It's I mean... a fucking lie is what it is. <laughs> it's a fucking cover-up. Like, most people agree generally with some of the sentiment of the woke ideas. People want change. People want everybody to be happy. I think, in general, most people align like that. We don't need fucking Coca-Cola putting out a commercial for it and then telling us it's the right way to think while they're enslaving people across the globe. Like, like, um... Uh, this is actually, this might be a good segue because I want to talk to you about a little bit about the Georgia voter ID. Uh, you did a segment on that. Coca-Cola, Coca-Cola freaking had some big stances on that. Meanwhile, they're running a slavery program across the fucking world. Like, yeah, I actually, I, I do have something on that. I, I, unfortunately, I meant to cover that and I just never got around to covering you it. You covered it a little. But I, a little bit, but not as, as much as I wanted to. But yeah. I remember I did keep some information about that, about the Georgia voting law. Yeah. Honestly, it, it was like, it's like a mixed bag for me. Yeah, I have yeah. it right here. It's like a mixed bag for me because I feel like it was, and this is again, the media just wanted to cover it one way. So mm -hmm. the right just wanted to cover it as a uniformly a good idea, no matter what. The left wanted to cover it as the next, you know, uh, coming of Jim Crow. Yeah. And I'm like, both of those assessments are wrong yeah. because it's not the next coming of Jim Crow, but at the same time, it's definitely not a good bill. No, it's like I Georgia mean, just became Colorado in voting. Like, that, like is, is Colorado Jim Crow? Like, essentially, like, a lot of things caught, like, just were things other states are already doing and i understand it because the timing was very poor it's like all of a sudden like there's a massive african-american turnout and they're like nah uh we got to change the laws so it looks really bad like it looks like they're suppressing votes and you can point it in that way but none of the regulations were like insanely like all right as a libertarian carrying id fuck you what do you mean? I got to identify myself? Fuck you. You don't know me. Uh, fuck you. Some government's got to tell me I got to tell a cop who I am? Fuck you. I don't need no ID for anything. And then additionally, it's like, well, how secure is our voting? I don't know. Like, like if there was one place you would want to check if everybody's really who they say they are, you'd probably want to check in policy making. Um, right. I don't, yeah, I'm torn on it too. Like, I'm like, at the same time, I'm like, fuck new regulation. 
But this isn't that extreme. <laughs> Honestly, here here's like the, the bullet points of it. Yeah. I mean, they shortened the absentee ballot period to um, you can't request a ballot uh, before 11 weeks before the election. Okay. So like 11 weeks. So we're talking about almost three months. <laughs> so you, you can't request a ballot before three months before the election. And then you have to do it before 11 days before the election. That seems overly arbitrary, but yeah. you know, it, it's not exactly that small of a window. It's so, really not. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. we're talking about like still like a, a, basically a two and a half month window where people can request a, an absentee ballot. They shortened the runoff election time from nine weeks to four weeks. I mean, to be a hundred percent fair, like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me why you would want there to be less time to vote for a runoff election, but a month is still pretty long. I mean, mm -hmm. if you can't cast a vote over the course of a month, I mean, I, I, I honestly don't know. I'm busy. I'm not that busy. <laughs> I, I, I mean, just, just personally, I mean, like, I, I mean, if it was a week, I, yeah. I get that. If it's two weeks. Yeah. But a month, I feel like you have time to find a way to vote within a month. And do you not you know, feel I, the like the it's like so derogatory when they make it racially based? Like they're like black people could possibly there's no chance they could ever figure out how to get this done in a month. Like like they make it that way, and I'm like, dude, what the fuck? Well, he, here's the part that this part actually did piss me off, and I understand like why they might think that this might be a little bit racist, okay. but this made absolutely no sense and i challenge anyone to make it make sense okay i am they, not a bird they, they criminalized the ability for people to pass out food and water ah. to people who are waiting in line to vote they now, made that illegal i'll help you out on that one okay uh anybody who works there can pass out food and water they're set to certain regulations and stuff. So maybe we'll see more water possibly because of this at these places, more food, because now they know that it's their responsibility to provide it. Meanwhile, before you could show up and hand out a bottle of water that had Joe Biden's name printed on it, you know, like yeah. you could, you could just, oh, nice guy gave me water. And for some people, I'm sorry, like for you who thinks people can't make their own uh, responsible decisions, you got to know there's this guy who just goes, Joe Biden just gave me a water. I'm voting for Joe Biden. <laughs> you know what to be fair though from a libertarian perspective oh you, you hit me with it you should, you should be insulted that that would sway you no all, right i should I, <laughs> you're right you're right you're right no you should be insulted that, that would sway you secondly no well it wouldn't honest some as people as, like, civil liberties are concerned <laughs> yeah, right, mean, like, if we're, right. If we're talking about actual liberties like we're saying that yes it's illegal to get food or water while you're waiting in line there, there, there is no there is no actual good reason for that other than you are trying to keep people from wanting to vote. Maybe it could you know, have like, been tuned in better with saying like you can't do the branding thing. Like you can't be advocating for a candidate while how you do would it. would have been to to write that. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, you yeah. Know, like so how hard would that have been to write that? Yeah. So, I mean, like, honestly, it, it just it makes no sense to me. And that is only an issue in poor parts of the of the country so because like these more affluent more rich parts of whatever state you're in they don't have long lines so they don't need water and food you only that's only an issue in states where you're going to have huge populations of poor people yeah. and huge populations of poor people are usually people of color and so in that okay. particular case that does make sense because that is purely a dissentive, you know, a dissentivizing way of keeping people from going to vote makes okay. absolutely no sense to me. I so, can see that. Yeah. Yeah. So that one in particular, I'm like, yeah, no, honestly, 
I am okay with people asking for IDs. Like I've never yeah. understood the huge controversy around that. I understand that it's hard for people to go get IDs, and especially in cities. I grew up in, you know, around a city. I get it. Like, yeah. but to be absolutely fair, I'm the kind of person where I don't think that that really is asking too much to make sure that someone's a citizen yeah. before they're voting. Here, I'll go more libertarian on you though. I'll go more libertarian. Okay, so now you got to check in with some bureaucracy every five months to maintain your, or not five months, you know, whatever, every four years to maintain your rights uh, so that you get to participate in the system in case you did anything that they deem wrong. Like, you know, Is you that, gotta check in and be like, hi, you wanna arrest me today? Like, you know. Is that how often you have to get an ID in Massachusetts? Yeah, uh, I, I don't know, but uh, it is how often you have to do to vote is what I'm saying. So, uh, you know, oh, okay. regardless of the state that it would be in, I'm saying you have to check in with a bureaucracy that might disagree with your point of view every few months. You're more correct. Yeah, I, uh, yeah it's, it's easy to get an ID. I'm I was just doing some libertarianism. No, no. I, yeah, because <laughs> I'm, I'm currently in the state of Montana yeah. and they make you get a new ID every eight years out here. So yeah. I didn't know if there was like a, no, no, it's not, it's not, it's not just the house thing. I'm saying in general, the idea of checking in with your government going, am I good to participate in the system? Like, sounds gross. Like, Yeah. And you know what? I think last year I did an episode called like, does voting matter? And I think it's actually still like my longest episode I've done. But one of the things I talked about with my guest in that episode was that I personally find it disgusting that we even ask people to register to vote. I mean, I think that every single citizen should just be eligible to vote. Mm -hmm. You cannot, for the life of me, make it make sense that you're like, you know what? Every citizen should have to pay taxes, but not every citizen has the right to vote. Like, yeah. no, I'm sorry. If we are, if you are a citizen of this country, then we should all have the same rights, you know? Yeah. And the only time that it makes sense where you would take that right away is maybe if you like were convicted of some capital crime. But mm. even then I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm in the field where if you get out of jail, then you should get your rights back. And who decides now, what's a capital crime? Like essentially, I mean, like some of them are just court system. I mean, yeah. But. Well, it, they do, but I'm saying additionally, like, uh, like they just had. We were talking about some of the bloat in uh, what the country's done. They added a new department onto Homeland Security to go look into like domestic terrorists and shit. And like half the time, these domestic That's terrorists are dudes that. calling for unity, and they're trying to shut down those voices. Yeah. That, that is literally just the government trying to create more jobs for itself. Like jobs, Homeland yeah. Security did not need to create a new department. Homeland Security could have just like, they could have just handled it themselves. In fact, Homeland Security, I don't even know needs to exist. I mean, that mm. could just be another branch of the FBI. Do, I mean, yeah. I, I just, I, I feel like that there's just some governments that there were some departments in our government that just feel redundant to me. I, and you I know? feel like that's though, that's the evolution of it though. Like, do they ever, do they ever decline? Like, after 9-11, was there ever a point where they were like, you know, the Patriot Act doesn't need to get renewed. No, we're here 20 years later. Yeah, no, I honestly, and yeah. I, I got to tell you, I, the Patriot Act is something that I think was one of the original things that made me interested in politics. Yeah. Because I learned about it when I was like 18, 19 years old. And I was like, wait, our government can do what? Yeah. <laughs> they can do what? No, like, so, like, and it blows my mind because you're like, what are we more concerned with? Uh, are we more concerned with the rights of an individual to do what he can in his life? Or are we more concerned with them finding the fucking people who disagree with whatever their rights are? Like, you're not going to get change if they're shutting it down. That, you know what? And honestly, I, I roped my concern about the Patriot Act into 
Um, I know that I'm like shamelessly plugging myself away here, but go uh, ahead. People need to hear your show. <laughs> my, I did an episode also this year in February about Neuralink and Ooh, I, I didn't hear that one. I'm going back. <laughs> yeah. So I did an episode on Neuralink. It's actually like my, my fourth most popular episode I've ever done. Well, it's about to be, um, <laughs> but I roped in my concerns about the Patriot Act mm. with the oncoming that it seems that Neuralink is. Mm. I mean, kind of like without giving away too much of it, what we're seeing right now is with Neuralink is what is referred to as a brain machine interface. Mm -hmm. And if you're not familiar with that, uh, definitely, you know, take a second to learn about that because these things seem to be what they're going to be like the wave of the future. <laughs> and we're talking in really basic forms about chips being implanted in people's brains. And through that, but Elon Musk in particular, who is the founder of Neuralink, mm. what he is saying, and he, he seems pretty adamant that this is not like something that he's trying to do with something that he will do just with enough time. I know. He's like, he's like, I'm going to make money off of it. Like this is going to sell, but boy, should you be worried about it? <laughs> <laughs> he's basically saying that it will be possible to transmit information from a person's brain into a cloud. Yeah. And the only thing that I can think of is, is that if that is true, what is to stop our government via the Patriot Act from being able to see people's thoughts once they're on the cloud? Literally really 1984. I, we're all joking right now, right? But this is like, this is actually going to happen. Yeah. And I... I was scared about this. I remember talking to a couple of my friends about it and they were laughing. They were like, oh, it's embrace the future. I'm like, are you crazy? Yeah. What do you mean embrace the future? Like, do you really want people seeing inside of your mind? I know. <laughs> I'd be I, in jail so, so much quicker. <laughs> like, That's the only bit of privacy we have left. I mean, I'm speaking in front of a tablet and a phone right now. I mean, they can hear everything you're saying they can record off of any device. like what do they need you're right like what do they need at that point they fucking know what i'm saying they know what everyone's saying you know they have the option sorry just yeah. smashed a button there anyway uh you know yeah. they have the option to uh do it so why wouldn't they be honestly if anyone had any doubts all you have to do is just listen to just 20 minutes of like edward snowden talk about his experience in the nsa i know I mean, so it's not, and that was things that were happening like 10 years ago. Yeah. So, you know, if you ever thought to yourself, the government wouldn't do those things. Have you ever given, imagine, imagine going back to your first job, maybe at McDonald's. Okay. Yeah. And you had, you had someone that you didn't like, you got promoted at that job. And the second they got promoted, they decided to be an absolute dick because they had a little bit of power. Yeah. Now take that and times it by a thousand. Okay. What do you think that people are going to do when they have infinite amount of power and absolutely no one to check them? Uh, so you want a bigger government from this? <laughs> I, I, again, I don't see it that black and white. I want yeah. our government to have the ability right. to be yeah. checked. It was a, it was a, it was a low ball. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah right. exactly. You, you tried to get me. You tried to get me. But yeah, no, I, I want the government to be able to be seen for what they're doing and to be checked for what they do. Yeah. And honestly, the, the, the main thing that's important to me on my show is to get people to be back involved because I feel like one of the reasons the government is able to operate with such impunity is because so many, so many people in our everyday lives have just given up trying to check them. 
Yeah. No, no, seriously, I was getting uh, just earlier that uh, Magnus uh, Magnus Manvidia, he was he was talking uh, to Dave Smith, and he says that on the show. He's like, hey, like he's, he's reaching out. He's trying to build something called the Unity Coalition, which he wants yeah. a anti-authoritarian left-to-right movement of just people who want less impose, imposing in their lives. Whether you be on the far communistic side, like uh, like he works with like Black Lives Matter anywhere. Well, I'm not saying they're on the far communistic side. The... Uh, I'm saying Black Lives Matter, Antifa, uh, all these names. Like, I'm, I'm, you know, so like a large group. Yeah. He works with all these groups and stuff and wants to kind of make a unity of like, hey, there's something going wrong in America. We want to make this. But uh, he was saying that he's like, D- uh, dear communists online, you realize the word communism comes from community, right? So you can't just spend all day talking online to people who think like you. You need to get out there and work with people and build a community. That is honestly like another one of like my big issues that I have with our current politics mm-hmm. is the fact that, and, and this feels prevalent on both sides, but it's like, instead of trying to find common ground, it's let me yell at you until I can force you into submission. Yep. And that has not done anything but drive people apart. So yep. what you thought was going to happen has only done the exact opposite, mm-hmm. continues to push people away from each other. And for what you claim to want to do, you're only adding fuel to the fire that you claim to want to put out. Yeah. So th- there, there's no, it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. I, I see, and I have a social media um, feed that's mostly leftists. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of people who, you know, identify as being liberals or leftists or progressives or what have you. And it's just constant, like, if you're not with me, you're my enemy. Like, on some really, like, Revenge of the Sith stuff, you know? (laughs) And (laughs) I just, I'm like, listen, I I feel like you come from a good place. I know you want to make the world a better place, but I don't think this is how you do it. Yeah. Like, I don't think you're going to get there by just yelling at people and trying to, like, you know, like, embarrass them into changing their minds. And this is why I am so, like, Listening to your show, this is the exact reason I'm listening to your show, is because I'm receptive to the ideas. That, like, uh, for just for perspective on the political compass, um, yeah. move it to the right. I'm on the bottom. Okay. I'm in the same exact line as you. Just put it on yeah. the right side. Economically, yeah. we disagree. Socially, we are on the same exact fucking page. And yeah. so often, I agree with these ideas, but it is the all is the winner take all. And you know what? comes somewhat from the name winner gets nothing it's the winner take all energy that comes from the left and i don't understand it like often when republicans are like in that thing they're the stupid ones they're not the ones running change the smart people in the left party are the ones pushing for non-conversation we're right shut it down they're too stupid to understand they'll never get it and you're just not like that we i i promise you the entire right wing for the most part there are the stupids they're pretty receptive to the message if you send it to them correctly and you do the best job of taking leftist ideas and making them palatable to somebody who needs to hear them versus just bombarding them. And then, and additionally, this is one of my biggest problems with the left. They're, they are, they are somewhat, especially on the social ideas, definitely not on the economics, I'm sorry, but on the social ideas, 100% correct in the most part. 
but they fucking deliver them in a way that makes the opposite outcome. Like, right. we all want the same thing. We want everybody to get along. But one side is like, I'm in charge. You're wrong. <laughs> and I don't know what the fuck. They, like, you're going to create problems. You might be entirely correct. Please work on your delivery, dear authoritarian left. <laughs> it It is an issue. Like, how the message is being delivered is an issue. Yeah. that that You're 100% right about that. I mean, how the how the message is attempting to come across is just not effective and it doesn't take that much thought processes to figure that out mm -hmm. i mean because you could just i mean you could ex extrapolate this with any other type of a conversation if you were just trying to train a new person at work you know i mean you have to explain to somebody why they're doing what they're doing because if you just say do this the end eventually they're like i don't really like you and i don't understand why i'm doing what i'm doing and yeah. maybe i don't want to be at this job anymore yeah. but you know like you can't exactly leave america so instead of like i mean well you can but like you know most of us aren't like self-deporting so instead of being like oh well i'm just gonna leave this country now we're like oh maybe i just hate those people now and it, it just it's not it's not conducive to what they claim to want to do and so yeah, for me, it's all about framing. And I live in the state of Montana. So I'm in a red state. Yeah. And I happen to live in a liberal city in a red state. But I've also lived in more conservative parts of this state. So yeah. I've lived in conservative towns and now liberal towns. And I understand just from talking to people just how much overlap there actually is, which is why it boggles my mind that we are in this situation. Yeah. You know, because it you, shouldn't have to be this way. I'll give I'll give you uh, this is exactly why I think we're having this conversation is this is something I say all the time. If your opinions are the same color as the state you were born in and they never changed, you haven't fucking thought about anything. Like, I think you're doing the right thing by yeah. changing what is around you by expressing it because there are problems going on. And from your perspective, there's more right wing people around you. You need to boot a, more of a left perspective and it's necessary. Meanwhile, I'm in Massachusetts. I'm surrounded by people who blindly think in some of the platitudes that, like, I'm not saying that you express, because you express it in more detail, but in the general, like, I hive mindset, you know? Right. That's what's going on. You just agree with the people that are around you. And it, it, it just, I, I lose my mind. Like, that's why, I, that's the only reason I feel like I fall slightly right, is because I'm constantly challenging the ideas that are around me. Yeah. And, it, and it's hard because so many people just want to agree, you know? Yeah. Like they, they just, they just want to agree with everyone around them and politics, yeah. you know, for just is what it currently is in our country. A lot of people don't want to engage with it. And so instead of just truly taking the time to think about these issues and break them down for themselves, it's just easier to agree with somebody else. You're just like, well, and it, it's usually, it comes down to this and I hate to make it this simple, but it's a lot probably of times people, is how it is. <laughs> A lot of times people just look to somebody who they trust mm -hmm. and that person will speak with authority. Mm -hmm. And then because they like that person or they trust that person, they'll adopt that person's feelings. And they're yeah, like, yeah. well, like, like, you know, like say like it's your significant other. Well, my significant other, you know, they watch a lot of the news and they feel really strongly about this. I don't know that much about the news. So I just trust them and I will now adopt their opinions as my own. Yeah. And that's usually the end of it. In you know what it is? It's, it's people that are hireable or, Higher in agreeableness. Just combine those words. Hireable. Yeah. Actually, I need to be hireable right now. That's something I need to work <laughs> on. Anyway, um, but uh, yeah. Uh, so people who uh, 
are high in agreeableness, but I try to point out to these people, I'm like, hey, you can go along with everything, but you also probably would have gone along with the Holocaust because Jews were bad in that point in time in that location. So like, keep a mindset on that. It's like, just because you're pleasing the most people doesn't mean you're doing the right thing. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the things I want to focus on is just mm -hmm. trying to promote people researching these subjects for themselves more often. That's one of the things I've been saying a lot in my episodes is like, don't let what I'm telling you here be the last thing that you research on the subject. Just make sure that you go out and you research about this more afterwards, because I, I think it's hyperly critical that people just get a little more involved even if it's not like an everyday type thing i mean that is obnoxious and can take it out of you yeah. i don't even do it myself but just like somewhat stay engaged with with these issues so that you don't have to rely on somebody else to tell you what these things are yeah. you can just know it for yourself mm -hmm. i think that's that's more where i fall in the divide between my left and right friends is that it feels like because conveniently it's the public opinion from where we're from leftists shut down eventually like eh, you don't get it at least here. Like the, I, I, I think with you coming from where you are, I can have the conversations, the back and forth. It's the whole thing because you're constantly yeah. building that muscle up of being able to defend your own arguments. Here, it's convenient, it's easy, and leftists is just like, if you weren't so stupid, you'd figure it out. <laughs> it's oh, it's toxic. I, I, I'm laughing because I... I I, I know who those people are. Yeah. And they think <laughs> I mean, they're helping. They think like eventually one day you'll figure it out and we'll be on the same page and you'll be like, thank you. You were Jesus back in the day. It's like, <laughs> it's like it, in my, in my humble opinion to everyone out there who, who feels that way, if you are not able to express what it is that you believe in, then maybe you need to take another minute to learn a little bit more about this subject because it shouldn't be overly difficult to explain it. And if you really care about these issues, then you shouldn't be afraid to have a conversation about them because at the end of the day, <laughs> it's not talking about these things that have you know escalated them to where they are right now. Yeah. No, honestly, like seriously, like just that's the whole fucking point of it. It's just, it's, it's, uh, I, I, I don't know, like, yeah. How confident are you in your own ideas if you can't have a 15-minute conversation without being like, like getting fed up, like getting fed up? You're not, you're not that intellectually sound. I'm sorry. You just like, you can't have the full conversation. And it, it just bugs me because I know some of my leftist friends are in the, you know, I'm saying specifically here, are very much correct. But I'm like, dude, if you can't articulate it, you're not as smart as you think you are. Yeah, well, this, this is actually... I'm going to kind of like uh, pull an outside reason for this. But mm -hmm. when I was going to college here in, in Montana, I had a professor tell me, uh, I kind of, I went into his office hours one time and he told me, he was like, listen, I understand that you're struggling a little bit in, in class right now, but mm -hmm. you know, when you're in high school, you get through high school by flexing your ability to memorize. High school is about memorization. It's like the goal of being here in college, I would hope, is that you learn not how to memorize better, but how to apply knowledge. Yes. And so that was something that I ended up hating that guy, but that was something really? that, <laughs> yeah, well, he was kind of a dick, but I, well, yeah. I never forgot him saying that to me because I felt like that 
was actually very much a, a common trend that I felt like I took with me for the rest of my life because mm -hmm. I think it's so important to be able to apply knowledge all over the place, yeah. you know? So like, yeah, you may be right about something, but you have to, you have to make it make sense. You have to make it make sense. You have yeah. to have these conversations and you also have to ask yourself like, why are you just accepting what's being told to you without questioning it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you really do. You really, that's the thing is, I think that's what goes into it. And that's why I say the, the thing is, if you have the same, uh, if your ideas are the same color as the state you live in for your entire life, you've thought about nothing. It's too easy. You didn't question the other side. Like I was uh, personally, like I was uh, vaguely probably more like, what's going on here in Massachusetts. Like, uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't, I don't know if I'd call it leftist cause I don't think it is. I don't think there's actually any real leftist movements going on in this country. Like I think, uh, all the things that these groups talk about are just co-opted by the liberal corporate media. And there's really not a lot of right wing or left wing thought going on. It's, it's, it's an extremist centrism. And, uh, I think it prevents like all change from actually happening. And I know it's, it works out to that because, well, those are obviously the two sides that disagree. So why wouldn't it fall somewhere in the middle? Like, why wouldn't it yeah. work out that way? But it's toxic. It's, it, it's like, it's two people, it's like two sides of a argument that don't get along at all and want totally different things. And yet every year, those two sides have to come together and agree that one person is going to make the decisions for them. Like I, it's nutty. Yeah, the system is definitely unsound. I mean, it, it's it's very flawed. I I see so many holes in it, but I I truly believe, and maybe this is me being again the idealist, but yeah. I, I truly believe that if more everyday people were just a little more actively engaged in mm -hmm. politics, that those who are involved in politics would not be able to get away with half the things they get. Away really, with. really the truest thing I've heard all day. Like seriously, they, it, it's always the issue is that we, they make it out to be that it's us against them. Meanwhile, both these groups have decent commentary that could come to a logical conclusion, but because the people at the top are the ones who are able to dictate how that narrative goes, we don't end up with that. We end up with the will, like you've heard the thing, uh, well, a bill has a 30% chance of passing regardless of the sentiment that's behind it. Like if 90% of people agree with the bill or 10% of people agree with the bill, it still has a 30% chance of passing because it just depends on whatever corporate interests are. And yeah, yeah we never get any further. That's why... You know, I'm waiting for the day they shut me down, but uh, I, I feel like this call to unity from the left and right, because like, I mean, like I got I got Hotep dudes on my show, I got tankies on my show, I got freaking liberals on my show, I got like I try to get every opinion out there, and still I feel like eventually, if I make enough of an impact, they're gonna label me a certain way and wash me away in some label that is outdated by society. I'm going to be, well, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's honestly, it's probably inevitable for most people who actually try to make things better mm -hmm. because a lot of the attacks that come after people are usually like, let me find that one time that you ever made a mistake <laughs> and let's plaster that everywhere. And now the only thing that anyone ever knows of you is the one time where you messed up versus the 99 other times where you didn't mess up. Or 
if it's even better, they'll find 10 times where you messed up out of like, maybe you've spoken online, whether it's in text or video, upwards of like 100,000 times. But we found 10 times where you said something wrong out of 100,000. It's a wrap. Yep. It's a wrap. I'm so, really looking forward to 2024 for that exact reason. Because <laughs> uh, there's somebody who's going, possibly going to be running. Um, have you ever heard of Dave Smith? That sounds like the most generic name I've ever heard in my it life. It honestly is. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't think I, I know him, though. No. Okay. Well, um, he's got a lot in his background. Believe me, you're like, oh, the, the 10 times you could find him saying something. He's a comedian, and he is not PC at all. Okay? He's, right. he's said some pretty fucked up things that were jokes. And I don't know how you take them. Take them like some people are like, well, they're not jokes. You're dog whistling, blah, blah, like whatever it is. I don't know. But the thing is, this guy, he's talking about it. He's talking about running in 2024. And believe me, I already know there is a backlog of they're going to make this dude look like he's a comedian, but man, they're going to, he, he's give them every ammo they ever need to be like sexist, racist, uh, bigot, just cross the board. Like they'll, they'll do anything. Cause he says whatever he's fucking thinking. And, and believe me, they're not all great ideas. Like there's some things that I, I agree are fucked up, but, um, they're going to go after them. And then meanwhile, the main message of his campaign, because being the libertarian, uh, candidate, yeah. you're not going to win. You're here for messaging alone. You are right. just reaching out to people and trying to express ideas. You're trying to get a platform. They're going to go after this guy for everything they can. But I think deep down, the real core of his message, if you heard it out, like it takes a long time because believe me, they'll play all the little bits that sound horrible out of context. Like this dude, right. this dude's fucking Hitler out of context. But really, if you go down into the minutia of like what he is doing, I think he's calling for real unity, real uh, expressions for like people to be able to like act on their own and like some good things. You're going to hear about him in 2024. He's going to get destroyed. And uh, I just like to see the two corporate interests that are the opposition to him, because that's what it's going to be. It's going to be the Democrats. It's going to be the Republicans. And they're both working for Coca-Cola. Yeah, I have no idea what we're going to see on the Democratic side. It's also not that it's only it's gonna be an either or thing so it's not that interesting to me it's either yeah. gonna be joe biden or it's gonna be kamala harris but i because and i know that biden came out and said that he wants to run again but i just have i i'll believe it when i see it you're gonna be 83 years old so yeah. um i felt like this was always gonna be a one-term presidency for him but that's a different story on the on the republican side i don't i mean if trump decides to run again then everyone else is just gonna bow out because they have yeah. no chance i know like, they have no chance so, and everything else after that doesn't matter. I mean, like all the DeSantis, all of the, you know, um, I forget uh, the governor of South Dakota or the former governor of uh, Nikki Haley of South Carolina yep. or any senator who's trying to make a name for themselves, Holly, Scott, Co I mean, no, you know, yeah, Scott, Cotton, mm -hmm. Cruz, Rubio. Like, I don't agree with no one, by the way. I'm just throwing it out there. It's an option. <laughs> yeah. Just throw it, throw it all in the trash. It's my mom's. My mom likes that again. one. <laughs> you know, it, it's a wrap. You know, so, yeah. and I think he might. Uh, to be, uh, so I'll tell you. So I'm, I'm a betting man. Uh, yeah. I, uh, it's just another one of my addictions. Uh, <laughs> anyway, um, I have, I have money placed in three places right now. I have 375 shares of Ron DeSantis. I have 500 shares of Donald Trump and 500 shares of Christy Nome. Do I think any of them will become president? I don't know. Probably not. I don't really care. 
I'd lean I mean, more it's, towards. It's hard, it's hard to know. Yeah. But that's why that's why I place these bets though. I place them right. in um because uh, have you heard of predictit.com ever? Yeah. Yeah, so so it's like a stock market. Like it's just their popularity in the time. So I think Ron DeSantis personally sounds like the voice of the Republican Party and that's and it's it sounds ridiculous when I have the no, least no, money on him. But if Trump wasn't in the equation, I would agree with you, but I feel like until Trump decides he's done, he like they they have to default to him. They, they don't even have a choice. Well, like I said, I have money on yeah. three people because they can. <laughs> yeah, I still think that could happen. I hundred percent see that as an option. And you know what? It's funny enough. I'm betting on them because I feel like these characters will make money, but I don't agree with any of them. I'm just going with the sentiment of the nation. You know. You know, it's it's hard to know what's going to happen because if you had had a conversation at the in like the summer of 2019, yeah. like will Donald Trump be reelected next year? You know, I said at that time that I thought he would be because yeah, me too. I just didn't, I just didn't see, you know, like how he, how he wouldn't because the country, you know, like wasn't doing phenomenally like, you know, terrible at the time. Mm. And that seems to be what everyone judges without the pandemic, hundred percent. He would have been hundred percent. Right. That's what people seem to like, you know, like obviously, I mean, I was going to vote against him. I can't stand. Oh, that. I didn't vote for him ever. So we'll put but, that out there. But like, I just, I thought that he would get reelected. Yeah. And then the fact that the pandemic happened and it was mismanaged the way that it was. And he still came within like 50,000 votes of winning the election. Mm -hmm. I know that people talk about like the popular vote, like put that away. doesn't matter. What matters is the Electoral College. If you flip the votes in like Georgia, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Michigan, then it's it's a wrap. It's yeah. an absolute wrap. And, and like he won Wisconsin, Biden won Wisconsin by 20,000 votes, Arizona by 12,000 votes, Georgia by 18,000 votes. We're, we're talking about the size of small towns in Montana. Yeah. I mean, it's so minuscule that it blew my mind that the Democrats afterwards tried to like herald it as some like massive victory. I'm like, you squeaked it out against a person that you spent four years doing nothing but relentlessly attacking and mm -hmm. you still barely won. But I think that like, relentless attacking led to more of a turnout on the other it, side. It probably, it probably, I mean, it obviously did because yeah. as far as popular vote numbers are concerned, Donald Trump got 13 million more people to vote for him in 2020 than 2016. Yeah. That is insane. Well, is I think insane. it's only because he did his presidency after that. And we're like, oh, all those things you said about draining the swamp and all these other things and like really doing it. Oh, you didn't do any of that. Okay, bye. <laughs> I, I think it's just insane that any one candidate could have that many more people turn out for him. Yeah. Like, I, just, it, it's predictable, anyone. though, in the sense when you realize a guy goes from uh, being like, we're going to drain the swamp to Michael Bolton is in charge of our uh, fucking foreign policy. I'm just like, so you just reinforced the swamp, dude. That <laughs> It's honestly, you know, we didn't need Donald Trump to show us this. Didn't, but Donald didn't. Trump is just another example in a long line of examples about how we never hold politicians accountable. But this is one thing I'll give to what Donald Trump did is he did change the right in a sense that they're now it's OK to be anti-war on the right. And it's also OK to spend money. Yeah. Well, no, 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 no. He didn't change that. That was Bush. OK. okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. He I, um, I, I mean, it's kind of like it's one of those things where. I felt like 
Trump. He's a piece have, of shit. I'm going to throw that out there. All right. I don't like yeah, the guy. He, no, he could have dramatically changed the country if he wanted to. Yeah, like, and that's why I get, I get so insane with Trump voters. I'm like, dude, he had every option to actually make the change he claims he wanted to make and he did nothing and you know what he had no opposition yeah he had none and he didn't do shit and biden though right now with the fucking force the vote shit all the power none of the change no and i and i've talked about it a couple times on my episodes so far where it's like there are certain things that you could have done and you chose not to i mean i think i went on a mid-season break shameless plug again and Do it. <laughs> right, before, right before I did, I put out an episode called the Senate Parliamentarian. Yeah. And where I talked about the absolute nonsense that that was, you know, and whether you agree with whether or not the minimum wage should be increased or should not be increased. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is that Biden said that he wants to increase the minimum wage. It didn't. He had the ability to do it and then chose not to do it. And he chose to blame it on some random, you know, worker who works in the Senate who they claimed had power over the vote, but actually had no power over the vote, but they chose to let that person be their scapegoat for why they decided to take the minimum wage out of the stimulus negotiations, which is like another example of, yeah, you could have done something for the country that you claimed you wanted to do, but then you just didn't. Um, I'm going to use this as a, this is probably not the best transition, but this is one thing I want to talk about scapegoatism. Um, so the Derek Chauvin trial. Yeah, we went there. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, with that one guy, the conservative guy you had on your podcast, he brought up some, yes. some concern about it being like racially motivated and shit. And I understand, I completely understand your perspective when you chimed in afterwards and you said a human died. Like, why are we not concerned? That's a hundred percent the sentiment. That really is it. But at the same time, um, I somewhat get where that guy's coming from. Where uh, did you hear about in 2016? His name was Tony Timpa. 14 minutes underneath that same knee hole, died. No, I did not hear about that. Yeah, it's it. Then that's what causes the divisiveness of these conversations is when you can often find this has happened. They make like he saying it, they make it racially motivated, but you look at another perspective where it happens. Cause I mean, police brutality is the issue. And this is where I feel like they're drawing away from the conversation because the police brutality is affecting people of all races. And then they're like, this guy's like, Oh, well they made a big deal out of this one be, uh, for being an African American individual. And, I somewhat get it because Duncan Lemp, uh, Tony Temp, Tempa, which I, I have a hard time not relating to Tiny Tempa, the grime artist from the UK. Uh, look him up. But anyway, um, it's like, I, it seems like they bring up the real issue, police brutality, and they drive it in a dynamic that gets half the country to not agree with it. And... Sometimes the cons- the inner conspiracy theorist in me wonders yep. if there's a reason for that. Oh, because, you should don't don't because, quiet that voice too too much. A, yeah, a lot because, of much because sometimes he's excessive, but just hear him hear him out. <laughs> yeah, because honestly, you know, it, it doesn't make any sense to me that there's so many layers to why this is a is a big problem. Yeah. Because on one hand, like bel- police brutality is an issue for everyone. Mm. And at the same time, it is not, you know, a coincidence that the media seems to focus on police 
abusing black people. Yeah. You know, so both things are true at the same time. Yes. So on one hand, we do have the fact that more the percentage of black people, their dealings with the police are at a higher percentage, you know, mm -hmm. more physically like dangerous for them than it is for white people. Of Obviously, course. if you take just raw data, there's more incidents with white people. But that's also because white people are 70% of the population. Exactly. So, so percentage based, yes, black people do have more of these violent interactions with the police. But at the same time, like we don't have we don't have to center the conversation around it being just a racial issue because while it does happen to black people more often than white, it doesn't change the fact that police are brutal towards all races. Yes. And so where the focus should be, in my personal opinion, is the fact that police have an unchecked amount of power in our society yeah. and they seem to be able to operate with literally no restrictions mm -hmm. obviously there are restrictions I'm, I'm speaking a hyperbole right now but the idea is that <laughs> no that, and minimal are pretty similar <laughs> right right so like what i'm trying to say is that for the most part they seem to be able to do what they want to do and there's almost never any consequences for them and that is the issue you know so for exactly. me personally and i just did no it's not you know, just yeah. for you personally no i think that really is yeah. the core of the argument that's that's what it is for most people and that's why i'm saying it's divisive to make it race based when this is an issue we all have and i think it's on purpose because if you make it race based 50 percent of the population is like i deal with that too what you bitching <laughs> right and then you have people fighting over something that they should be unified on yes which it is again just part of the issue because honestly you know this is the thing that i cannot logically wrap my head around and i have friends who are conservative mind you yeah like the conservative argument to me is that we need to limit the power of the state the state has too much power mm -hmm. and we need to limit it and somehow a lot of my conservative friends are able to pair that logic in their head with the fact that it's absolutely okay for the police to have unchecked amounts of power. Oh, it's insane to me. And and we are also not allowed to criticize them for anything that they do because their jobs are really hard. Dude. And I'm like, those two <laughs> things do not make sense. No, really, <laughs> you're you're right. You're and, and this is this is something that several points in this conversation you've brought up that I think almost propaganda style they feed the left contradictory ideas and they feed the right contradictory ideas to where they don't actually have a cohesive mindset you could agree with. Like the right. like my favorite one is when you see the don't tread on me flag and then the thin blue line flag. I'm like, who's doing the tread in my bra? <laughs> like, like, are you kidding me? Like, yes, it's, it's 100% the enforcement of the state that's like treading on you. And like, there's, there's additional outside sources. I mean, it's corporations, it's other things, it's private businesses working. It, it's fascism is what it is. It's fascism. It's corporate power working with government hand in hand to make a bastardized version of what either side would like to see. It's insane yeah. to me. Yeah, I, I just, I do not. I, yeah, I, I, just, I just cannot make that make sense in my head because me either, bro. You same page. You know, cause, <laughs> yeah, because for me, I get it. Like the police, they have a, a difficult job. That's I'm not disputing that. There is no disputing that. But in my head, there is no profession. And I mean this no profession where you are not responsible for the times where you make mistakes. 100 percent. 
I know. I know. Yeah. And, and like, call, we were just having a conversation about this on, a, I sent you that article on the 13 year old. What was that? 13 year old boy yeah. was basically coerced into admitting guilt. And essentially the reason that these cops got off is because, well, nobody ever convinced somebody to fucking admit to guilt that fast. So how could you have known it was wrong? It's like you tortured a guy into admitting guilt faster than any other cop. So therefore, how could you have known that was wrong? Change one word in that sentence. Not a guy, a child. Yeah, seriously. Like, mm. yeah, no, a child. You're right. Yeah. It, for, for the impact sake. But really, 13-year-old walks into a police station and they sit there and they tell the guy like, Hey, oh, the kid, the child, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, they tell him you got essentially you're going to go away for the rest of your life if you deny this. And if you admit to it, you'll go away for a quarter of your life. Sound better? <laughs> and this is my thing. I don't understand how two adult men can go home and sleep at night knowing that they did that. Yeah. Like I, I just, I literally cannot fathom it. And those are the people and I'm not, and I'm not in the camp and this is probably a very unpopular thing for me to say. And I probably could get canceled in the future. If someone digs this old video back up, good luck. But like, <laughs> you know what? It's, it's like, I do not understand the notion that there are no such things as good police officers. I don't believe that to be true. Yeah. But at the same time, I cannot ignore the fact that officers like this exist and that there are other officers in those same departments who just do not do enough to check these people. Here, I'll do I'll do worse than you uh, to uh, make you look better. I bet there was Nazis who thought they were helping. <laughs> like, you know what? There's a lot of reports that those people did think that they were helping. And yeah, that's, you know, it, and honestly, you don't even need to go that far back into history because, you know, you know, again, like I was talking just recently about these concentration camps in China, yep. like there are probably Chinese soldiers right now who probably think that they're doing the right thing. Forget by what about doing. the soldiers. The average the citizen leaders. describes them as bad Chinese. Like they're like, well, yeah. they just need to learn if they go to, if they go to the camp and they learn how to be good Chinese, they'll be just like us. It's, uh, I mean, the, the idea of being able to freely exercise your religion uh is nonsense and just die and go away i don't, I don't like like legit you're talking about like that's that's yeah. what a lot of these helpful ideas lead to i'm like you realize you're talking about like purging 25 percent of your population not in right. china obviously but yeah. i'm saying in other discussions where they talk about bad ideas going away i'm like there's people with concerns that you talk about eliminating and you expect them to not become radicalized like yeah, no, you're yeah, I mean you're definitely touching on on the right thing there and kind of like circling it back to the to the police conversation like that is you know, for me you know, so I, I hear when people say, I actually put out a poll about this not too long ago and yeah. it's making the rounds on my Instagram page today and people are talking about whether or not like all cops are good or all cops are bad like that's happening right now yeah. and I I just wish that you know, these, these good cops that are out there, I wish that they would do more to check these, obviously just like, I'm just going to say it, these, these evil people in their department. Yep. And there's not like there's bad people in every department. And this isn't like one of those things where I feel like every to be honest, I'll go further than you. I'll go further than like, you. 
Like yeah. there, there are evil people in every department. Like that's the reason the system's staying in the place it is. There are. So I'll, yeah. I'll take that. I'll take that fucking bullet for you. There are. Yeah, and I just, I just wish that these good cops would find a way to stand up for what's right because I don't understand how they can see these things happening. Like two of their fellow police officers coercing a 13 year old child to take a murder plea. Mm-hmm. And they're like, yeah, that's just business as usual. No yep. big deal. Nothing to, nothing to see here. Well, it's points on the scoreboard. So why isn't it right? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that is, I mean, there's so many things that need to change in policing, but like that could be such a huge domino to fall. If we could just get more cops kind of just like basically just turn on each other. Like, you know what? No, you don't represent <laughs> the force. You shouldn't be. Here. You shouldn't put it that yeah. way though. They're already like, you just made so many people fucking scared. You're like, Deny the in-group preference. They're like, those are my people. (laughs) Hey, you know what? Honestly, at at the end of the day, if somebody who you call a friend is doing, you know, fucked up shit, it's on you to check that person being like, hey, we can't do this. But that's what we need to encourage is we need to encourage people reaching out to these people and not condemning them. Because as as disgusting as these ideas are, they're not exactly like anti-commonplace. Like they are mainstream ideas that a lot of people just need to hear the opposite perspective of and need to work themselves down from these radical ideas. Like it, I, I, just, I just view it as too mainstream right now with how divisive everything is to condemn somebody who seems like they're in an extremely negative position with what we want the change to be. There's got to be some way to reach out to these people, you know? Yeah, you would hope so. And I think in the meantime, in the mm-hmm. meantime, while I mean, I would hope that that does happen. But in the meantime, what absolutely needs to happen immediately is that this whole idea of, I mean, one, I think qualified immunity needs to end. Yeah. Like just, just, just period. There, there should not be a system in place where it's like, yeah, um, you know how you have constitutional rights? Well, we're allowed to violate them yeah. and there's not going to be anything that happens to us because of it. Yeah. That does not make sense. Why do we have constitutional rights if, they can just violate them whenever they choose to. Oh, well, it's don't. not whenever they choose to. It's as long as they've done it creatively enough to be original. <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically whenever they choose to because, you know, how hard is it to falsify a police report? Yeah. Oh, seriously. Let's talk about... <laughs> no, let's not. But uh, freaking... Yeah. No, it, it's insane. Like, with the Breonna Taylor one, like, people have so many opinions on Breonna Taylor, and I'm just like, first off... They had no idea who they're shooting in this scenario. So let's not like focus on the race based, like obvious option that you had. But you have so like this is this is it brings up like every point on the board. Drug war. Why are we arresting people who are nonviolent criminals or personal choices on what they're using, especially when this country incentivizes it to be in the mainstream? Like it, it doesn't seem like a joke to me that we like pretend to put all these like restraints on Mexico. And then also they basically quell our population into using whatever drugs they want. Like they, they, uh, I'm hoping I'm explaining this right. I'm like, they seem to want the destruction that comes from the drug use at the same time that they like the destruction that comes from the enforcement of stopping it. Like, it doesn't seem like they're trying to fix things. They're not going out of their way. With all this money that we spend on cops just locking people up for drugs, we could do the Portugal idea and focus on fixing, like, not fix, I don't know. Fix is definitely not the right word. I don't like fix. Nobody's broken. You're just different. Um, Yeah, it's, it's like incentivizing people into 
bettering themselves is the option, putting money into that idea versus incriminating them for personal choices. Because, uh, I don't know, you've seen me drink quite a bit in, like during this episode. I mean, like I obviously, I have my own form of addiction. It's something I'm working on and I know. Like I, I drink too much. Uh, I probably smoke too much. I would really like to not be locked up along the way of figuring that one out. But like, man, they, they, no, it doesn't. And and like, I mean, alcohol is actually, I mean, alcohol is a very destructive drug. I'm going to throw that out there as an alcoholic. There's danger you can provide to other people. There's big issues, you know, and those things. And that's where most people come from. But at the same time, did prohibition work? Did anyone stop drinking? No. No, So this has never, this has never been about that. This is, this is again, you know, basically the government saying that they're doing something for X reason, but they're actually yeah. doing it for Y reason. Yeah. And why is money? Yes. You know, why it, is it, always really, money? <laughs> why? I mean, you know, just fun fact, if you're ever confused on why something's happening, the answer is money. Um, that's, that's where I go. That's where I go. That's see, that's me and the government. I'm like, dude, they're making yeah. so much money. You fucking believe them. Yeah. No, Cause I mean, no, like, and I'm not, and I'm not accusing you on that. It. Sorry. No, but, just, you know, just from multiple perspectives here, like, why keep the drug war going for multiple reasons? I mean, like not, not saying that I advocate for it, but I'd understand why they do it. Yes. On one hand, they get to have millions of dollars come in anytime they make these drug busts. They, there is a, this is an episode I will be doing in the future. They yeah. have a massive private prison industry, oh, which yeah. makes so much money off the incarceration of poor people in this country. And then on top of all that fact, the influx of cheap labor coming into this country in the form of immigration. And these people are coming here because of the cartels down in Central America who have the massive power that they have because of all the money that comes in from America from drugs. Exactly. We create the problem. Yeah, it is a massive cash flow for so many corrupt parts of our country, whether it is the police stations who make so much money off these seizures, the private prison industry for detaining people, and then the cheap labor that flows into the southern border hmm. because they're fleeing the violence of the radicalized people down in Central America. And who would blame them, dude? It's hell. It's fucking hell what they're living in. Like, yeah. I, I, and you know, like, this is why they're like, oh, libertarians like hate all these other countries and stuff. I'm like, dude, you realize we don't even want fucking borders. We just want, like the uh like the PEMDAS version of it like what makes the most sense like you know we want to do it in the order of operations that makes the most sense we don't want fucking borders like the most core libertarian thing is like if you want to come here to work come the fuck in like we love you like absolutely we're here working for the best thing for the most people is what we think the idea is and respecting the individual I think will take all those ideas into account And then, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, but um, instead what we're going to do is we're going to make it so that this this work incentivizes business owners to want illegal immigration. What do they call it? There's no illegal humans, by the way. But... um, Yeah. You know, they want these people to come in, they churn them for work, but they they put the responsibility on the individual coming to work. They don't ever look at freaking I, I i'm gonna stop saying coca-cola because eventually i'm gonna get shut down by coca-cola i've been going at them too hard i don't know whatever bezos is doing like they love the immigrant labor and it worked for us for years like up until the 70s we were like it's the best and then you know what government policy came in and said hey you work here you live here you want to go back and see your family in mexico 
you're dead. And all of a sudden, the perverse incentives turned into this border war. Like, you know, honestly, I also want to just like check one thing that you said. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I I think I think that it's an unfortunate like part of a conversation that comes with immigration Mm -hmm. is that too often we think that the people who are coming to our country are Mexicans when because they're coming through Mexico. But most people come through the country are from those Central American countries. And honestly, that's not Mexico. You're right. It's not Mexico. It's it's everything like, south of mexico like, yeah it's like you know guatemala nicaragua Honduras, I, I actually but, for for uh yeah. reference here i i joined the military and my area of operations was south america i'm very in tune with what's going on in the government that was one of the side benefits that they really didn't want me to have believe me they didn't encourage my knowledge of what's going on in these countries they encouraged my uh right. participation in undermining them when i was in the military but um yeah no it did actually if you're a thoughtful enough person lead you to understand what's going on in these other regions and it's not you're right it's not mexico it's mostly like honduras brazil and like all these other places that are experiencing totally different things than mexico we think of it as mexico because it's the checkpoint but it's not right and the question i've always had is you know like there's so many different things we could do to stop the the flow of immigration into our country like i'm not against immigrants coming here but I felt like if they were really that concerned with the amount of people who were coming here, mm-hmm. then how much easier would it have been to go to Mexico and just say, hey, uh, are you going to help us with this? Or are you just going <laughs> to let people keep like flowing through your country and coming to ours? Because they're not coming here from Mexico. They're coming here through Mexico. So how is that happening unless Mexico's letting them in themselves? And Mexico's yes. southern border, for instance, is like the size of Rhode Island. So it's not exactly a large space to, you know, to check more or less. And they, yeah, and they don't care to because it does, it makes them money. Like that's, that's always the joke I'm making. Like, uh, uh, let me tell you this. So from a military perspective, for the job we were doing, we often had meetings and by often, I don't know. I mean, I had three of them throughout my entire thing. So at least once a year. But yeah. the conversation was, do you think your job serves any purpose? Because, yes, I know it sounds crazy, right? Like, you're like, wow, because it's that much in your face. And believe me, the majority of the military is operating just doing a job like a convenience store. Like, they have no fucking idea what's going on. And if they do, I I hate them a lot more. Because, like, like, get the fuck out of that. Like, a lot of the, I got to be honest, the most of the military is operating under, we're trying to do the right thing. Like, that's what they think, the majority of workers in it. They're fucking wrong for a lot of reasons, but, um, yeah, they never put two and two together. Like for me, my military experience was like, well, I'm very aware of the opposite side of the drug war. Like I, I come from a place, uh, they call it secret city. Um, it's, we're, we're a huge drug area where I'm from yeah. and there's no quell in it. And so they'd ask me these questions of like, do you think you offer any purpose? And I'm like, I think the only purpose we did is we raised the price of cocaine, which made more money for these people. Like that's it. Like we've we've increased the demand by interfering with the supply and nothing else. Like they there's still drugs getting in. Like they asked, like they were like, all right, nobody's gonna get in trouble. How many people do you know use cocaine? And I'm like, anybody I know. I'm from Secret City. Like I, they tried it once. At least seventy yeah. percent of people, um, and they're like. Do you feel like you're doing a change? Like, and I don't know what the point of that meeting other than was to what can we do better? Like th- that might've been the dumb incentive of like, how can we, how can we try harder to fix this? But 
really right. all I did, it felt like a bandaid on the fact that like you're doing something incredibly wrong and <laughs> it's like therapy session. Like, how can you feel okay with this? And I didn't get it until like three years later. You know what? I have never been, um, involved in anything like that yeah so I, I i've always been interested in hearing other people's perspectives on it i lived in a military community mm -hmm. when i first got to montana i lived in a town called uh great falls montana and there's uh there's an air force base there so there's a lot of people who yeah. are either active duty air force or they retired and they just settled in that community yeah and so i've always been interested in hearing people's perspectives about their service but yeah it's it's one of those things where i've always just been curious about you know, knowing what our government does, just how much does the everyday soldier actually know about what the missions are that they're carrying out? And they've managed they've managed to create pure ignorance within their session. You don't have yeah. you have the option to never ask a question and to operate. Huh? Yeah, it's just disgusting. It's it's where I am in libertarianism. It's why I'm anti-government. I see how easily people fall into hive mind mindset mindsets just by a few fucking meetings a week and they don't question anything like they give them enough answers so that you can go on tiktok twitter and facebook and be like huh, well that's wrong because my guy told me something else mm. yeah i mean i that, 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 i mean that makes sense i personally yeah. never had that experience myself but that makes sense like how you would come to that yeah, absolutely yeah so <laughs> I mean, I, I got to say, you know, I know that we're probably like wrapping up the episode here a little bit. I want to say just so, you know, thank you again for, yeah. you know, giving me a chance to come on and talk to your, your podcast. And I, uh, I see that you have a pretty significant following on Castbox, by the way. I don't think I know anybody who has a bigger following than you on Castbox. Yeah. Um, no, you, you know what? Little, I'll give it, I'll give you it. I'll give you it right here. I promote Castbox. I promote ah. Castbox is why it's a little cheated. It's a little cheated, but it does look good, right? <laughs> I mean, honestly, the the play counts don't lie. Obviously, you have um, people who come back and check you out every single week. So definitely the podcast is growing. I mean, expanding, it looks like. And yep. I think it's cool. I appreciate you letting me come on and talk because conversations like this. Opposite, like, bro. Know, I appreciate you coming on. Seriously. Oh, thank well, you. Thank you. But, you know, conversations <laughs> like this just aren't normal even amongst podcasters. I know that, you know, I love my podcasting community, but sometimes, you know, I enjoy a more free flowing conversations and you know, a lot of podcasts that I go on, they're like, Hey, we got to wrap this up in 20 minutes. So you know, <laughs> you honestly, know, it's, I'll, it's I'll throw it out there right now for my guests. I'm sorry. My guests opinions are more important than your sensibilities. And I'm going, that's going to be, that's going to be a thing ongoing. Uh, you're the focus. Okay. I, I actually, I don't care about my audience. I think they'll show up if they want to hear it. Like I, I, it's, it's probably the worst marketing idea in the world. And as yeah. a libertarian, I'm focused on that, but um, no, I don't give a shit. It's, it's people need to hear what they're not willing to hear. And if they want to come here and they want to take the time to hear it, do it. But I'm not going to be, I'm not your guy. All right. I'm not the libertarian party. I'm not, I'm not freaking. I'm not anything. I'm independent thought. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I am a really big, I'm trying to find this this line right now because I went into this believing like I'm going to do the podcast the way that I want to do it and the people who are receptive to it will stick around and the ones who aren't 
why am I chasing him in the first place? Yes. And then there's also the part of me that's like, oh, well, maybe I should, you know, change it up a little bit because, you know, maybe I'll be able to keep more people around that way. And I'm fighting with that other urge right now. Like there's a part of me that's like, oh no, don't, don't, don't worry about that. But then that part of me always like trickles in because I'm just like, oh, well, maybe if I did X, Y, and Z, more people would, would stick around. I'm right here. I'm in front of you and I'm loud. So let my voice resonate more. Fuck that idea. You do what you do. <laughs> Fuck those people. Do what you do. And you know what? The only person who's going to stop people from enjoying your show or the people yeah. who don't want those ideas to be out there, you will 100% make yourself like you, what you need is you need trust in an audience. And this is coming from uh, probably the episode before yours. Some, I was talking to another podcaster, but what you really need is you need trust. And if they have your trust, you have your audience. Who gives a fuck how big it is, man? Do you want to make change or do you want to make money, right? It'd be nice to do both. It would? Nice Listen, you're both. talking about libertarian, bro. I'm yeah. pretty money obsessed. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be nice to do both. Honestly, I'm the kind of person where I don't have the desire to be rich. And yeah. that's never been my desire. I've always just wanted to be stable. Yeah. Like the ability to, you know, just be able to be economically comfortable and being able to pay bills, be able to put some money on the side. If something came up that I'm not like scrounging, trying to figure out like, how am I going to pay for that? You know, like I've never thought to myself like, oh, I need to be a millionaire. I was just like, you know what? As long as I can just like go through life comfortably and I'm doing something that feels like it's meaningful to me, like that is, that is good for me. Yeah. You know? Well, it might make you feel better to realize the majority of libertarians, while they sound money obsessed, are way more focused on whether their wife and kids is happy. Like that is the real goal is families in this thing. It's not everybody, yeah. but I think the majority of libertarian ideology is focused on bettering community and family. And uh, if we can agree on that, man, nothing else really matters. You know what? I, I would hope that most people could. And I think that if we can transition back to finding ways to understanding that about each other and then working through that lens to find common ground, we'd all be in a better place. hundred percent. And you know what? It's, it's just too good of a, too good of a noise to not end on that note. Um, take that away. All right. Try to better yourself. Try to go out there and try to understand groups. You don't think you get along with and try to find out you do. Okay. So get out there, people do your best. And, uh, Love you, love you, fellow, love you, fellow human. That's it. We'll take it further than that. You got anything to end the show on? Uh, yeah. If you're interested in um, checking out my podcast, you Do can it. find it on you know Apple, Spotify, most major platforms. You can follow me on Instagram at Independent Thought. That's uh, typically where I do most of my damage at. Not really on Twitter or Facebook all too often. Uh, but yeah, definitely check me out. And if you're interested. Feel free to DM. I'm pretty receptive with my DMs. Absolutely so is. DM me anytime. Uh, on non-podcast related things, my final note for the day is that, you know, depending on whatever ideology you're in right now politically, it probably feels though the other side is absolutely crazy. <laughs> Just know that I think that we can honestly accomplish a lot if we just try to engage in conversations with people in, you know, in good faith. I feel like that's not something that's too far gone in the past. It can be done. We should probably just try to do more of it. 
best note to leave off on. Go on. It's a call to unity. If you don't want it, you're the problem. That's everything from Trash Talks this week. Have a good night.